Welcome back to another episode of Me, Myself, and I, an official Confession Stand podcast. And despite alligators and airplanes, Sam, what else will we be talking about today? We are going to be reading the end of part two of A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Mass. It'll be chapters 38 through the end of 50. A lot of pages. But they really kind of flew. I was a little nervous, like, typing up the notes, getting everything organized, what we're going to talk about. It feels like a lot, but it's each chapter was kind of alternated between being, like, really meaty with important stuff and just, like, a fun little training chapter with Emery, Nesta, and the, and the rest of the crew. The girls. I'm so excited for the girls to train together. Sarah, where do we leave off with the last couple chapters? Let's this? see if I can remember this. Oh, gosh. Um, our last conversation. <laughs> Got a little heated, I mean, on several levels, because the the last thing we talked about was Cassian and Nesta doing it, and <laughs> our opinions on the matter. And I'm trying to think if anything else came up in the last chapters. We know that Feyre gonna die because she has a baby with wings, the Illyrian wings. and But she doesn't know. But she doesn't know because Rhysand thought the best thing to do was to keep that from the person whom is going to experience it. So that was smart. We also saw Nesta come out of the bog and she got the mask, which is one of the items of the deadly dread trope. And so we we got the mask. So the crown and the harp are still on the loose or at large. And I'm trying to think if there was anything else significant that we talked about in the last section. I think those are the big ones. So Nesta got that out of the bog and killed the Kelpie. And then Sam's favorite line in the whole book, which is uh, Cassian leaving Nesta after they do. And he's like, thanks for the ride, Ness. But I think that's important because it's him drawing a line because they have discussed this through being the communication is very good in the sense that this is just the sex. This is just for babangs and that's it. So no cuddling, no nothing. And, sh- and you know, Ness is feeling kind of sad about that. So Carbs, how are you feeling now after reading this section? I may have been a little too sensitive when I read it, and I may have jumped to a conclusion that I may or may not still support. <laughs> That's my bullshitting way of saying I might have been wrong. <laughs> oh, look at who would have thought not sam i don't know what it was about that section when i read it that i got so emotional about but but that's the beauty of books Mm -hmm. you feel things that you're not anticipating to feel and sometimes things trigger you when you're least expecting it but i think you guys were right that it was what i was bothered by it ultimately is the lack of romance and i am such a stickler for romantic stuff and i love romantic stuff so to not have that was a little disappointing for me. And yeah, and, and I just think I related to Cassian in that moment because I've certainly been in that position. It was tough to kind of see that different perspective or that reverse perspective of it. But but yeah, I may or may not consider recanting my statement. We'll, we'll see. It's not, we literally just finished part two, so I'm not willing to recant it just yet. <laughs> uh, I will wait for the glory in the last episode. It's all good. It's all fine. i'm willing well sam want to take us away on this episode where do we where do we go from there oh my gosh i forgot to introduce ourselves 
You guys know who we are. That was totally my bad. I was so into talking about alligators and airplanes. I've been waiting so long to tell people who the hell I am. <laughs> you know what? I'm leaving this in. I'm not even going to edit it. Well, this is one of your hosts. I'm Hannah Slash Spuds. I'm Sam Swags. Sam Swags. Sam Swags. And I'm Sarah Carbs. You're welcome. <laughs> but anyway, Swags, where are we going from here? Oh my gosh, we have our own little training sesh now at the House of Wind. There are now 11 priestesses training that Azrael had to come in and start helping. So it's kind of Cassian training the three OGs, so Nesta Gwen and Emery, while Az is taking all the, all the newbies with like the balancing and all the like basic core work and all of that. Cassian, though, after roping Azin, realized he should have cleared it with Gwen because Az is the one that saved Gwen from the temple. So that was almost a kind of awkward moment for, I think, at least Gwen. I feel like when we were reading that section, Az didn't really seem to, like, react. I'm sure he remembered her, but he's not reacting to her the way that Gwen was reacting to him. To be fair, Azrael doesn't really react to anything other than the High Lords meeting. (laughs) <laughs> be careful how you speak to his high lady he reacted to more and because it was it was the comments to more and it was the comments of pharaoh wasn't it it was for both of them yeah but other than that he doesn't really react to much else in the mm-hmm. world no nope, he's just a really good wingman wink <laughs> <laughs> but what's really funny is that emery and gwen almost immediately pick up on the additional layer of tension between nesta and Cassian, which is really funny because they start training with swords. And of course, Nesta and Cassian are not talking about swords, but they are. I feel like it'd be hard to miss that tension. Oh, I know. It was it was obvious even before all that happened, but no one else was willing to say, or they just didn't have a relationship with Nesta to say anything before that point. Because Nesta called Gwen her friend. It was really oh, cute. I know. They're friends now. I love this so much for Nesta. I got so choked up, man. I know. She had that like stopping, that intrusive thought of like, oh, wait, this girl's actually kind of my friend. It was really cute. Mm. Good for her. And they've also been spending a lot of time starting to learn all the Valkyries, Valkyrie training tips. The first lesson they start going down a rabbit hole of what was essentially meditating. They start meditating to clear their minds. And Nesta realized how helpful it's been to stop her chattering anxious brain. Oh yeah, come through self-help queens, banding together and meditating and training self-defense. I love this for them. We should really do this together. I know, right? Oh my gosh, if you guys took me to a class where you guys were banging the instructor i would totally do what gwen and emery are doing to both of you like i would be so obnoxious i'd put out so many innuendos (laughs) you wouldn't survive you would i would a hundred percent i mean in fairness i do think the both of you would do it to me (laughs) oh yeah 100 100 (laughs) full stop Um, But I I really like how, because it's not just they're learning the Valkyrie stuff, they're sort of combining it with the Illyrian training because we don't know too much about what's left of the Valkyrie uh, practices and techniques. So it's Mm -hmm. this is sort of a hodgepodge of the two of them together. But I think about how important breathing is. I love that whole section. Hannah, Spuds, you just got me into that physical 100 and there's this great 
point in this television show where the strength training was they had to hold up a bust of their torso and if it fell to the ground they were eliminated and there was this one girl who was able to hold on longer than everyone and she's this little tiny ass thing but she just said that what kept her going was she just focused on her breathing instead of how the weight was coming down on her. Mm, She just went into a trance almost. She just straight started meditating. It was really cool to watch. People kept commenting about like how calm her face was. And you think about- Like she looked like a statue. (laughs) She did. Well, and I've even heard when monks are in, I don't know if it's called training, but when they're in monkhood, they can regulate their breathing to the point where they can change their body temperature on one side of their body it could be hot on one side and cold on the other side just crazy mm-hmm. stuff you can do just by starting with the breath and controlling your breath it's, it's just so cool if you when you really look into it yeah I mean it's funny you hear those people when you're worked up someone always says take a breath or whatever I feel like a lot of the times that advice always goes over everyone's head because it's really hard to calm down but the funny thing is if you were to actually step back from any type of situation and focus on your breathing and just regulate your body you're probably going to calm down but yeah also I want to take time to appreciate the fact that while all this stuff is going on I have a new appreciation for Cassian and Azrael and watching them teach these women I don't know what it is about it but I mean you see them with the Illyrians and you see how brutal and stuff they are, but watching how thorough they are with the women and respectful, I don't know. I just, I may or may not have become an Azrael fan out of nowhere. What? <gasps> the gasp. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was going to say what I do love about their training technique is they're not coddling the priestesses. It's not like they're making it easier for them it's still the same training but they're very firm and fair about it it's not like oh this is our training for women no this is Illyrian mm-hmm. training but we're just you know there's also the acknowledgement of these women have been through some really difficult things in particular with men so just how they approach it in this way that's non-threatening but also very firm and straightforward I think is brilliant Well, the men are taking their ability to train these women very seriously, which I think is what I respect the most is that it isn't, oh, I need to walk on eggshells or whatever to do this. But they also recognize all these women, not as victims or weak women, but as survivors and warriors in their own right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Which is really cool. Yeah, I agree to all of that. And what's really fun is Cass and Azrael doing this on their own time, like no expectations. Nessa's shown interest. She is kind of spearheading it. And Cass and Azrael are supporting her on it, which I really love too. And with all of this training, Cassian takes them, well, at least Nessa's the only one available, on a field trip to see how swords are made. Oh, this is so fun. I love this part. So. Cassian, you know, finds an old blacksmith that he's worked with in the past. He likes his work, brings Nesta and tells her that she could take a couple swings at what welding, forging the sword together. So she starts forging. So she just forges three pieces or assists in forging three pieces. It's a great sword, a regular sword and a dagger. Hearing the description of Nesta banging at it, my arm was hurting just listening. So I don't know if I'm built out for it, but I will definitely hit it a couple times. 
We should try it. We should see if we can find a place and go make a sword. Let's that does sound like fun. Go. Well, I'm going to go because my boy is, is the next person we're going to talk about. It's Lucian makes a surprise appearance. And he is just so shocked at the progress that Nesta has made to the point where he's like, damn. And what did he say? Like, God will help us all or God's help us all. Something like that. Yeah. Cauldron save us, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. So he was just, I would say impressed, but I think he was also afraid. Is there like a word for being afraid and impressed simultaneously? I think you can still have those two feelings. Yeah, maybe. And of course, like Cassie and pokes at him is like, you're here to see Elaine. He's like, I'm not just in the city to see my mate. And he I thought it was really interesting that he still called her his mate in that. I don't want to say it's like claiming ownership, even though it sort of feels like that. I don't know what you guys felt about it. Because he could have said Elaine, but he's like, I wasn't just here to see my mate. I think it's because the mating bot hasn't been, to our knowledge, either accepted or rejected. So they're still in that limbo of that it could be either, I think. Well, and this is actually something I wanted to ask you about, because, for instance, Calais, him and Vivian, they were best friends until he went under the mountain. And then, like, right before he left, the mating bond snapped into place. So there was a lot of, like, mutual love for each other, but it didn't, the bond didn't happen until they were both like, yes, this is the one. But... Then you have someone like Elaine, who's never met Lucian before ever, and then boom, mating bond happens. Doesn't even know this man. And then Feyre, she obviously knew Rhysand. I mean, she had been a Fey for a minute, and then the mating bond happened, but they already knew each other. I don't understand how that works. There is no science to it. There's no consistent pattern of how the mating bond works, but there is becoming a pattern that people have picked up. I've seen like on Reddit, TikTok and stuff that there seems to be something inherently with the male that picks up on it first. And he's the one that has to initiate it with the female. So now, you know, I mean, that's what we're seeing, right? So like Rhysand, Rhysand's father to his mother, we're seeing it with Lucian and Elaine so it's, it's always the male that gets the signal, I guess? That's the running theory, is that okay. the male is the one that inherently knows first, for whatever reason. We haven't really seen much evidence the other direction. <laughs> Patriarchy. <laughs> right? <laughs> Capitalism. Right, exactly. Capitalism anyway. just swung around by a penis. <laughs> Anyways, so Lucian's there. La-di-da. <laughs> I really liked his line that he said to Cassie and watching and Nesta training. I wonder if there are some things that should not be awoken. Ooh. You know, I thought that was pretty ballsy of him to say that because we do see Why? later. In, well, no, it's just like we do see later in this section she confronts Tamlin. And for him to say that when he's kind of part of the reason why she is the way that she is right now. I don't agree with that, though. I don't think he had any choice what Tamlin was going to do. Okay. He wasn't part of it. I thought that him and Tamlin were part of the whole Highburn thing. No, he was just along for the ride. I think a lot of Lucian's actions are trauma-bonded or just being a victim of Tamlin's wrath in general. Obviously, Tamlin didn't know that was what was happening. I'm guessing he 
assumed the that Elaine and and uh, Nesta were going to be some sort of bartering chip for Feyre, but then Hyvern changed his. You know, Hyvern was Hyvern. He's like, nah, I'm just going to do it this way, and I'm going to threaten you by just changing your sisters 100%. So, no, I, I guess you're right. I guess we can't put that responsibility on Lucian. That really doesn't make sense. He's also not the one who threw them in the cauldron. <laughs> no, he's yeah. not. I mean, neither did Tamlin. He sold them over to let that happen, though. He set the stage. Oh, and you know, I forgot. What's her face? Ianthe was also a pretty big... She played a much bigger role in that than Lucian ever did. Yep. Yes. Full stop. Yeah. So yeah, and then after Lucian makes that comment, Nesta pummels a tree into a pile of cinders as she's sparring. <laughs> well, and his comment, it made me think a lot about how, because they don't understand exactly what Nesta is, but the only thing they do understand is that she's Lady Death. I think Lucian was like, oh no, are we creating a monster? Not Nesta, but more what is inside of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... On to that, they end up meeting with Cassian gets called to the river house to meet with Reese and Feyre because Helian decides to mosey on over to uh, help them with the Autumn Court soldiers, trying to break whatever charm is on on them to see who might have been behind the attack. Yeah, he's he's there predominantly to check the soldiers from the bog because they have this sort of mist around them and to see if um what the influence is and if he can break that spell. And then the other thing of course is to have Resan talk to him about Feyre's pregnancy. That's another big part of healing and showing up. But what I was going to say is did you not think how quintessentially Helian it was that he wanted to show up in Valaris with this huge chariot, 20 horses, and just have this, I'm thinking, Ali Ababwa, like, parade. He's got style. Helian. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then he comes on this gorgeous black Pegasus horse. I don't think I've ever seen a Pegasus-type horse black before. I think I've only seen white ones. At least, like, illustrated. Don't they have a black one in Hercules somewhere? Mm-mm. Not that I remember. We're thinking of Fantasia in the Beethoven suite. I think one of them, a couple of them are dark. I, I haven't seen Fantasia in forever. That's one of the few things that I would love to rewatch is Fantasia. I feel like I didn't appreciate it as a kid. No, definitely not. I don't mm-hmm. know why that was marketed for kids. Oh, yeah. So it was Peter Pegasus. It was the baby Pegasus. It was the young version of Pegasus, and it was black. Oh, baby. All right, we were both right. Look at us. I think that that is Fantasia. So you were right. Oh, I was right. (laughs) All right. Never mind. (laughs) I love that Helion paring down his grand entrance was still just like one Pegasus though. That was like he still had to bring a little bit of the bling, a little bit of the attention as he rolled up. Which is like a Rolls Royce in Printhian. (laughs) Right? Well, because he lost, I mean, I think he only I think he's less than 20 now. He had most of his Pegasus wiped out by Amarantha. Like how devastating. I thought it was seven. It's not seven. Is it twenty? He has seven left. I thought it was he had seven left. 
I think he had 20 before Amarantha then. Yeah, yeah, I think he had like 20 before Amarantha, and then it was, which is horrible. She had killed all of them, except for the ones that were in the high tower, and he was able to release them into the sky. And That's a lot of Pegali. Yeah, and what's super fascinating about the Pegasus is their original homeland is the same island that the prison is now on. Creepy. Creepy. And the description of him saying that Pegasuses once fed in meadows that had long given way to moss and mist. Magical. That's all I have to say. So the one perk about them finally telling Helion about Feyre's pregnancy is that she finally actually gets a little bit of say about her pregnancy. Who would have thought? Oh my Um, gosh, we love this for her. She actually gets control over her body. Bodily autonomy. Who would have thought? It's like such a new idea. And Prithian, clearly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So Feyre was able to finally put her foot down about not completely glamoring away her pregnancy. I think she still has that bubble around her most of the time. But Mm -hmm. they're a little bit more relaxed about it. Feyre's not going to cower in a corner over it which good for her she down she in a bubble dog <laughs> <laughs> anyway go on it has to be brought up every single come time on bro absolutely she was a princess <laughs> i mean nesta was a witch <laughs> so and trade the part of the reason why they decided to tell helion was not only for his knowledge but hoping to access his libraries to try to find a way for Feyre to safely deliver their baby anyway so they don't get into that fun stuff they go down into the court of nightmares to meet with the soldiers and Helion's not a fan of the court of nightmares yeah for real (laughs) he's like I'm too bright for this dark ass place he assessed the soldiers pretty quickly and then when he was done he's like he he pretty much he's like I'm out I've seen enough so they pretty much immediately go back to the Moonstone Palace. And he says how nervous he is about whatever that curse is that's on them because it doesn't feel like a curse or a spell. There's no singular spell binding them or adjusting their behaviors is pretty much how he had described it. And that's when they all piece together that Brialin might actually have the crown of the Dread Trove. How creepy. I love how this book got more dark. You know what my thought is? Mm-hmm. I think that Jay had the crown all along, and I think he gave it to Brialin. I don't know, like as a um, sign of goodwill, maybe, or, or as a way of forging their relationship for mutual benefits. Because I'm just thinking about like how he's chained to a lake, the mass was at the bottom of a bog. You can't tell me that the crown wasn't at the bottom of the lake. So... I'm just thinking that we're just going to have to do a lot of diving for these trench robes. And maybe it's that sort of treasure-esque vibe we get from Trove, uh, or like buried treasure-esque vibe. But yeah, I think that Coast had the crown, and I think he gave it to Brie Allen. He probably wasn't able to use it the way that he wanted to. He's got a perfect little mouthpiece now with her mm-hmm. to be able mm-hmm. to pretty much do his dirty work so that he can get out of jail free card. Well, that was the thing, is because Brianna is also made, she can use the crown without the crown having its influence over her. Because most humans or fae who wear the crown, it sort of takes over their body, and there's just no way to take it off without 
killing themselves. So because Brianne is in a similar position as Nesta and Elaine, then she actually, she has an ability. So you're absolutely right, Sam. Like this is the perfect person for Coast Jade to conspire with. And this is the big reason why, or what they assume is the big reason why the remaining queens fled so that way they wouldn't fall under Brie Allen's influence if she has the crown. It's not confirmed, but that is the assumption. Yeah. And so at this point, this is when they decide to pretty much tell Helion everything regarding the Dread Trove, Brie Allen, and Coast J. They did leave out the Eris Baron stuff just because that's still under wraps. They don't know where his loyalties lie 100% or his relationship with the Autumn Court. Mm-hmm. And then they bring him to the mask in question. So he kind of scopes it out. He runs into Nesta again and they rope her in so that he got very excited to see Nesta, might we add. <laughs> <laughs> and but, um, she put him in his place. It was such a beautiful little exchange. I loved it. It's such a Nesta. <sighs> he uh, loves getting his balls tugged, I'm telling you. He really does. <laughs> mm-hmm. And. So he couldn't really handle being in the presence of the mask and was impressed with Nesta surviving using the mask when she did. So he shows her how to lock the mask, but she refuses to learn how to unlock it in case anyone uses her or that knowledge against them. So Reese learns as a backup, which I don't know if... (laughs) For Nesta would trust Reese at this point, but in theory, Reese makes sense in practice in this moment would not have been moved. <laughs> Maybe should have been Farah, but you know, she's kind of like dying, but whatever. Honestly, same thing. Pregnant, <laughs> dying, whatever. <laughs> That's where my priorities lie. <laughs> you can tell. I'm not a kid person. Um, but you know what? As much as we're, you know, shitting on Reese over this, he picks up about how good Nesta is with the whole, like, scheming political side of, like, talking with people. That he was really impressed with the way that she didn't back down on Helium. She kind of kept him in his place without being insulting. I love how he's just now seeing this. I know, right? Cassian has no tact. He's like, you join him moving forward to anything to do with, especially Eris, because Eris is a cheeky motherfucker. When we find that Eris kind of likes Nesta. I mean, who doesn't? Clearly everyone's got the hots for in this series. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with Pharaoh and all the other books. I think That's we had a conversation fair. in one of our episodes where we talked about it. We're like, what is it about Pharaoh that's like this weak human girl that everyone just wants a piece of? Anyway. I just feel like Faye must have this insatiable sex drive. I I just think they want to- Bang it out. Everything. I think they bang trees. And that's why we have like- (laughs) I mean, there are lower Faye that are trees, aren't they? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think they fuck everything. They're like like hormone monsters. Like, God forbid a (laughs) loaf of bread come out of the oven too soon. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So- where did we leave off after that? Okay, so let me see here. Recent favorite tell adds to pull the spies back from the Autumn Core and not to keep pressing on the Brianna in case she does not have the crown is influencing his spies. Told not to mention Eris. 
and he's not happy about it, and he's ready to break command. Yeah, As kind of has a temper. He really, no wonder they let him go off and do his, like, shadow shit, because he would never listen to Resand ever. Well, and I thought it was kind of interesting how Resand was like, no, 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 it's it's Feyre's call. That's your high lady, buddy. It's not just me. It's on favor too, so you can't be 100% mad at me. And no, he he was really pissed about it. But if Brianna does have the crown, I feel like it's a pretty justified reason. Oh, absolutely. Because it's very possible that the crown could be like, just pretend you didn't see anything or compel someone to tell Feyre and Rhysand something or tell Asriel something that gets passed along and then it's misinformation. I agree with this tactical decision. I think it's the right call. I understand that Az has done a lot of work and now, and I'd be pissed too, but I think it's the right call. As is kind of flying blind, quite literally now. Right. That he was really anticipating as much information as possible, and I just don't think he likes being uninformed. I agree with that. But what's really fun is that Nesta kind of low-key hints that she wants to figure out a way to bring the Valkyries back. Because Cassian started giving her more war and tactic books to research. She was showing interest in it. And yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Do we see that dynamic for her, but also in her relationship with Cassian as, like, two, like, war generals, essentially? I love her logic around, like, if you're going to train me on how to be a weapon, then I want to know how to not only use it, but to also help other people channel and use it themselves. I think it just shows how she's maturing in how she's thinking about herself and this whole process. Well, and she's finally kind of adding value to herself mm-hmm. in a sense that she hasn't ever given herself that type of grace before and seen herself as worthy of anything. And so I think that the Valkyrie in training is kind of giving her this newfound appreciation that she's capable of doing great things. And I think, too, you know, she's seeing how her mother kind of honed her as another type of weapon in her childhood and she's seeing the parallels and everything that her mother taught her and what she's kind of learning now especially on like the more political side of things so it feels like kind of the perfect combo of what you said she is going to be the strongest version of herself that she can while also she's not starting from scratch and I think that's helpful for Mm -hmm. her and it's less intimidating for her to kind of go down this route for herself and I I couldn't agree with you more on this and I think it's said a little bit later on in regards to how her mother trained her for this sort of thing is Elaine talks about how she felt that Nesta would have been better off being born in Printhian she was more made or she was more sculpted into this tactical almost warrior like she always had uh, this plan in place of how to marry up in like a really strategic way it was like she's always been a weapon of some sort right she's always been this tool which is unfortunate thinking about it that way but i mean in this circumstance it's actually like playing out for her in a really unique and i would say well, it's almost like she's reclaiming it. Right! As her own. Exactly. Well, and then Cass swings by her room to deliver some more training books. And we see a vulnerable side of Nesta. Nesta's kind of thinking that he didn't enjoy having sex with her because she said the boundary and he said the same boundary and she felt a little icky afterwards. 
No. Yeah. Well, and they also hadn't gotten together in like, she's like, was this a one and done thing? They haven't got together in hours. And she's like, oh, no. He doesn't like me. (laughs) Yeah. Nesta's in her feels right now. She's in the age of feelings. Yeah. Gross. (laughs) Who needs those? (laughs) Stick to being a weapon, honey. It's your best asset. I told Spuds this yesterday. So I was listening to this scene as I was driving down from, because I was driving down from Mount Juliet to my therapy appointment, but they closed off an exit. So I had to take, I had to like kind of maneuver and I really didn't know where I was going. So I'm listening to this extremely spicy scene whilst I'm getting directions from Google. So it was like, they looked at each other with a promise of passion in their eyes. Take a left and point to... in the bedroom because i was like i was like getting into it and i'm like take a left on the castle man drive like damn it this is like taking me in and out and i miss my exit twice like (laughs) awful in and out and in and out it's like 20 minutes late for my fucking appointment i was pissed (laughs) for good reason obviously yeah i mean i mean it couldn't be priorities couldn't be helped (laughs) not at all It's so funny. I feel like every time Cassian gets pulled into the river house, it's just for like bad Nesta news. It's always for like something new that he has to do or aka Nesta's doing wrong. And guess what did she do this time, guys? She accidentally put her powers in the sword dagger and the great sword that she created when they went to forge the sword. But also like, how would she have known? She had no idea. It was her first time making a sword. And I love that Cassian goes to the river house and they're like, so you're doing great and all, but like everything is falling apart. (laughs) Keep keep going. I'm not blaming you, but I'm blaming you. (laughs) Well, yeah, right. I'm not blaming you, but you fucked up. Why did you take her to a swordsman to forge a sword? Why would you do something educational and good for her soul? You moron. (laughs) We want to rehab her, but we don't want to rehab her. You gotta tone it back a little bit. Don't give her big ideas. Well, and this is all really cool because we find out that the Fae used to have the power to transfer their abilities, but they haven't seen this in what? Like hundreds, hundreds, thousands of of years. years. 10,000 years is what the book says. 10,000 years. But I mean, it just goes to show Nesta has something inside of her right now that is so ancient that I think... None of the people who are currently alive in Perinthian or any of the Fae have probably never been alive to see this actually happen in their lifetime. The last sword that they've either been destroyed, disappeared, or sunk to the bottom of the ocean, the one named Gwydion, disappeared around the time the Troves did as well. Which kind of makes sense because they're all kind of like magic made, right? They're all essence of the cauldron. So it's an interesting thing that they all kind of had the same move at the same time. That's suspicious. That's weird. (laughs) So they are super freaked out about this. They don't want to unsheath anything because they don't know what emotion was put into these swords that she was making them. And it's Nesta, so it's nothing good. <laughs> but not only that, she was also traumatized because she's in a, a blacksmith hut, 
and there's a fire going at all time and she's constantly hearing that crackling noise and Cassian notes her flinching and asking to be moved to work at a spot that's farther away from the fire and stuff like that so who knows how that trauma will play into how these blades or that triggering emotional reaction will play into the power of these blades I'm surprised that Cassian hasn't just went ahead and asked Nesto what's up with the fire he's obviously noticed it yeah because it's also, we love Cassian, but he's such a himbo, like Sam yeah. calls him. He always has such a poor choice of words. You think he would just be like, so what's up with the fire and the flinching, you know? I think, I feel like Cassian has such a good grip on Nessa's personality. It's almost, it feels like a moot point to ask her anything, especially if it's an emotional reaction. Because she will always pivot and just say, I just don't like fire. What of it? <laughs> he knows when to pick and choose his battles with her, I think. Right. And I think that's just one that he's like, nah, I'm going to let her come to me on that one. So, which I think was the right call. Look at this. Everyone's growing. We love to see it. I really love Cassian in this book. I really, really do. He's just not that party fuck boy that we met in the second book. There's just such a maturity and grace about him i i am just Mm -hmm. i'm just constantly impressed with the actions he takes how he handles these situations and i don't don't think he handles them all perfectly but i think he has enough humility where he'll admit when he's wrong and he'll own up to it which I, i i love that about his character he's almost the thing too that's refreshing is that he doesn't always do it perfect but he's always it's always with good intent and he he almost Mm -hmm. always catches on to when he does something not wrong but could have been more tactful he's always he's pretty self-aware but i think what also is important about cassian because of his like you said he he really doesn't have the most eloquent way of talking about things but I feel like we see with Resand, for instance, how he kind of twists things and he sort of has his own, I don't want to say like misdirection, but because he's not, he's so elusive, whereas Cassian's so much more straightforward, that's really refreshing in this dynamic. Because we're not really getting to the point, and especially with war and high lords, and they're all playing these stupid ass games with each other on who can get the higher, like the upper hand. Whereas you yeah, know, he's just it is what it, it is. It is what it is. He he's not tactful about it, but at the same time, we really need that right now. We need this directness. We I think we crave that straightforward behavior. All right, Sam, what were you gonna say? I was going to say I think it's really important to note. I think we need to get back to going into more because there's a lot of information in regards to these weapons that Nesta helped forge that the big one, the great sword, it has so much more power than the other two weapons that Amran has essentially now dubbed it a new trove to add in with the collection of the mask and crown and harp and all of that. Good job, Nesta. You created a whole nother trove that we got to worry about now. Yeah. Poor Nesta. She can't catch a break. No, I know. So Asriel is now freaked out about people using her, kind of like she had that fear when she was learning how to lock the mask. So then they start getting into a really heated debate. Um, The biggest thing, whether Nesta should be informed of what she did with the weapons. 
Oh yeah, I forgot that she doesn't know. And they take a vote on it. They just she... love withholding information from people that it actually affects. It drives me nuts. And what's so crazy is that Reese, initially, it's Amarin that makes that suggestion that Nesta not be informed. And Reese initially didn't think it was a good idea. And he got talked into it by Amarin. So it's then so it, funny coming from him. I know. It was so frustrating because it's like, oh, you almost had this moment, this redemption. Just kidding. You didn't. You, you messed that up. Swing and a miss. I was just going to say, he ends up as a compromise. He ends up deferring the final decision to Feyre. But I think the whole process of having this vote and this, this discussion in general is just super inappropriate and like what good comes from it let's be real what good comes from nesta not knowing what she's capable of doing in what world is that not dangerous and i mean because it's recent amron versus as in cassian when it comes down to the divide as in cassian are living with her they are training with her they are getting to know her and they're the ones that are probably the most associated, acquainted with her at this point. It's never good to withhold information like that's just a given. But for that, for Reese and Amarin to again be so ill-informed about yeah. the progress Nessa's making to have... Because that's probably what the deciding factor is, right? It's not that they want to withhold it, but she's kind of a loose cannon in their eyes. So for them to not listen to the Asriel or Cassian is really frustrating. I agree. Yeah, the people who see her every day. But also, wouldn't you just think that if she knows that and she's self-aware that that's possible, if she's having a heated day that she's not going to, like, paint a picture or something, and all of a sudden there's this magic, crazy, ancient whatever inside of a painting now. Do you think that it would be more beneficial for them to be self-aware and it would keep Azriel and Cassian safer if she knew? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's just my two cents. I just, my, my thought is, what's the harm in telling her and then keeping the weapons separated from her? Like getting Helian to put them under some seal or something. Nesta can do it. She's trained. She could totally lock up those weapons then. Yeah. Like what's the harm in that? That's a good point. What actually is the harm in telling her? I understand the Feyre situation because Reese is like, I don't want to stress her out. Blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not going to stress Nesta out if she knows. I think the point of it is that... Women don't have a right. <laughs> Sorry. With her having that knowledge, their argument is her being used as a pawn, I think. Gosh, it's so crazy because, I mean, this was the same types of conversations that Tamlin and Ianthe were having about Feyre and Miss and Fury before. Like when she became maid and how she has all these powers and she was going to, if anyone else knew, you know, try to mate with her and just all these awful things that could happen instead of just being open and upfront about it. And I genuinely feel like in, similarly in this situation, I just think that Amran and Reese are on the outs with Nesta. She's not in their good graces. And this is their bruised ego reaction. That's my two cents. Because it really doesn't make sense to me why they would put up such a fight about this. I mean, like, they're two of the strongest, most powerful people in this city. There's no reason why Aunt Nesta can't know about this and these items be secured, you know? Yeah. I feel like Nesta can understand the gravity of the situation, and I feel like they know that, but this is their need for control. 
You know what it is? It's them pulling the Tamlin of treating her like she was before the cauldron. Right! Exactly! Exactly! Like, this doll, this, like, would-be bargaining chip, you know? This one grain of rice that'll tip the tides, you know? I just think it's it's bullshit. I don't like it. Yeah, it's definitely not done with the best intentions. So, of course, Amran leaves, and what does Reese do? Decides to play with the swords, using his magic. (laughs) (laughs) So we're all on the same page that we're not going to touch the weapons. Wink, wink. Okay, good. Reese is like, oh, thank God she's gone now. Mm Mm-hmm. So they realize the great sword, the one with the most magic, is literally glowing with power out of its sheath. (laughs) And then the other two, one, the dagger is like cold and the sword is hot and angry are the descriptors of the power that you don't see but you can feel radiating off of it. And then I will say, I still hate Amran, but her like popping back in like, I knew you guys wouldn't, yeah, I knew you guys would touch it. (laughs) (laughs) Reese is, but Reese is like a child. He's like, I'm not touching it because it's in his brain. Yeah. And that's when we learned that there was another sword. I don't know why she wrote it out this way, but yeah, Amran somehow gets on the topic of one of the other magical swords that was in Amarantha's care. That she either destroyed or disposed of because it wasn't cooperating with her. It was called Narbin. Yeah, so there's probably one sitting at the bottom of the ocean if anyone just wanted to, you know, go for a casual swim. And this one is older than Gwydion. Which is the sword that went missing with the Dread Trove. Yes. Now this sort of opens the discussion for, you know, that Amrin plants this seed that... Resand should be the High King of Prithian. Easily, he could take up that role with this new Dread Trove. How do y'all feel about this? So stupid. Like, that does not help his whole hero complex and his ego. Because it's like, what great dictator doesn't just come up with some powerful way of dominating the whole land without anyone's consent? I'm just saying, this dictatorship. You know, yeah, I'm not crazy about it either. This is another point against freaking Amran. I, I feel like Amran brought a very strong point that healing would support it. The other two courts would go with it. It would keep Baron in place and keep him from being a naughty little Nelly. But also, what if Rhysand turns out not to be a good ruler? I mean, I don't think he's going to be a good ruler. Like, There's I, no checks and balances to but it. But I would say that him resisting it makes me feel better about it. Like, I feel like he knows that he wouldn't be an appropriate ruler. I mean, he also may not survive to be it either at this rate. So I think that might play into it as well. But Well, and it already kind of pushes back at his power. So I don't think he could use it anyway. Right. But I do kind of like the idea of a high king of Printhian a little bit, especially in this circumstance when the spring court's falling apart, Baron is colluding with the human queen. They're, like The wall is gone, but there's no consensus on the treaty and everyone has different opinions about it. I mean, I think that the proposal for a unified front is a very attractive proposition in this circumstance, just seeing how this country or this land is falling apart and how there is there is no consensus and knowing how long this race lives, there probably won't be a consensus for hundreds of years. So 
I think to avoid war and to keep Baron in line, I think one high king could be a good thing. I think it's a little premature of a conversation. I just think that to say that Resan should be that might not be the right choice. I'm just saying the proposition, I think, has good bones, but I don't think yeah. that Resan is maybe the appropriate person for it. If anything, I think Sarah J. Mass is setting it up for Feyre, right? Be having a little bit of power from every court. That was my thought. That seems to be the most logical. Mm-hmm. And she's probably the more level-headed one. Because, I mean, let's be honest. This high lady role is kind of a figurehead still at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Reese is still going to, like, yeah, she gets a vote. Like, there's an equity there. But she's not the final say the way that Reese is. It's not as equal as we think it is. No, I don't think so at all. But yeah, I was really annoyed that Amarin was, she was like really pushy about this with Reese. Which was weird for Amarin. Like annoyingly so, yeah. I I didn't think that she would have any real interest in the politics of that. No, but I do agree with you. I understand the sentiment, Sarah, of wanting some type, like not getting rid of the High Lords themselves, but having that more unified front. Right. I just can't wrap my head around how that would work. But I'd be very curious to see if... And yeah, it definitely should not be recent. But also, maybe just a high queen of Peridian. Love that. We love that. All right, Sam, want to take us away to the next section? Yeah, so Nesta goes on her first official political duty with Cassian to meet with Eris. And they meet in the spring court because it's, you know, deserted and kind of neutralish territory. And I love it because there's this crackpot theory um, pairing off Elaine. Wait, what is crackpot theory? It's just people call it like, a, I think crack ship is what I see too. Just like one of those just out there relationship pairings. Oh. So it just feeds into the Elaine Tamlin crack ship theory um when nesta's like elaine would love it here in the spring court and we're like of course she would i thought of that instantly because i think it was it was either you or quinlan who sent me a tiktok about how it's elaine and tamlin and the love triangles lucian and it's good like that's the thing and yeah i thought of that instantly when i heard that line i mean i don't think so but i i love the idea behind it i love the sentiment behind it i can't imagine that happening but we will see. I would love to be surprised when that actually be it. Well, and on this journey, they finally break the news to Eris about his soldiers. Yes. And he seems to be genuinely surprised about it and to have not known. Yeah. And then he gets a little suspicious and he starts, you know, blaming Cassian. He's like, you're the one that killed the rest of them, didn't you? How convenient you only left two of them alive. And Nesta puts him in his place, and we kind of love to see it, don't we? Nesta's really good at politics. You gotta hand it to her. Her, like, quick thinking and wit is just on point. Yeah, because she calls him out. She's like, if you're gonna go pointing your finger about your Autumn Court soldiers attacking us, like, why were they armed with ash arrows? Aren't those banned here? You know that they're deadly for to each other. And he had nothing mm-hmm. to say to it. Yep, crickets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, gotta love quick thinking Nesta. And then right as they're about to leave, guess who shows up? Oh. Who is it, guys? Tamlin. Or tampon. It's tampon. It's that time of the month. <laughs> He's gotta make his appearance and it's always awful. Mm-hmm. But what's really dangerous about this is that this outs 
Eris. Like, this is a really, really dangerous moment for Tamlin to walk in on. Oh, yeah. Tamlin doesn't know that Eris is doing sneaky, sneaky stuff with them. Right. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So it was a very dangerous meeting. And you know what? Nesta uses all of her guilt and trauma of losing and anger towards losing her sister the way that she did in the first book and totally reams him a new one about it. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really sad. Love to see it. Mm-hmm. She finally had her big sister moment. Yeah. Well, and now we need to make sure that he stays quiet about the whole heiress thing. Mm-hmm. Who's going to take like the lunatic high lord running around in his beast form seriously maybe i think the only person who would would be baron and but that would be the problem is if baron finds out about eris because baron already wants the spring court and so it makes sense that if the moment he knew that eris was betraying him and tamlin just doesn't really care about anything and is just not doing well that just gives baron even more incentive to go ahead and make a move on the spring court to go ahead and build up his land in preparation for the fact that Eris is two-timing him. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I don't think Tamlin's that dumb to do that. I don't think it's dumb. I think he would just accidentally say it or just be like, I don't feel like he would do it out of any intentions. I feel like he would just say it because he's in such a dark, empty place right now that none of this actually matters to him. Hmm. I don't really think he's afraid of anyone, but I also just think that he doesn't really care about what's going on. Especially, like, look at how he's treating his own court. Mm, that's true. And he probably doesn't even realize that Baron wants to take over the spring court. No, he would probably just assume that Baron was an ally as outliers to the rest of the rest of Prithian. Yeah. Well, and that might be a thing for Tamlin is if he wants to, in a political move, if he were actually smart, he would go to Baron because he doesn't have an army right now. And if Baron comes into the spring court, he would be bringing autumn court soldiers with him. And so even though Tamlin would have to forgive some of his power to Baron, he would have a defense against everybody else. Mm -hmm. So honestly, it would be the smart move for him to team up with Baron because no one else really takes him seriously. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Hmm. I mean, that's also assuming that Eris is not double-crossing Rhysand, which Nesta points out as well. She's like, how do we know that this isn't some elaborate plan? Because Asriel was shot with an ash arrow. How do we know that you're not stalking your soldiers with them? Well, and even if he is, I would think if I were Eris, that because he's two-timing right now, his father, I think that is probably a safety precaution. I think it would be stupid of him not to be prepared with crazy nuclear weapons <laughs> mm, it's true i guess yeah that's true i don't anyway, think... so what happens next guys yeah, i don't know do you guys think that Ares is double crossing i mean i know you know but i mean i think he is with baron but i genuinely think that he would rather side with recent and friends than yeah. side with his father because at least with recent and friends he has the ability to overthrow and get his own power i think he knows what a monster his dad is But also, I think he kind of craves the power of it. And the only way right now that he is able to come into any type of power is if daddy goes away. Well, I also think he wouldn't be pushing the whole thing with more, like pushing his innocence with the whole thing with more if he didn't have good intentions. Because I feel like that'd be 
kind of redundant, you know? Or he's just the devil and very manipulative. I hope not. I can't take <laughs> any more manipulative people in this damn series, I tell you. I'm looking forward to an Eris Redemption arc, not gonna lie. I'm low-key. I'm like, I'm there for it. I'm here for it. I wasn't the first time around. I think he's fine. Mm-hmm. When finally, yeah, Nesta gets a little homesick. Oh, yeah, of course. I love Daddy Eris. He's so hot. <laughs> I honestly would never think of him as hot until I saw that painting by Mads Official. That changed my mind completely. Uh-huh. I'm here for it, 100%. Take me away. I wonder who his mate is. You. I want to know. <laughs> oh, obviously. <laughs> obviously. But yeah, while we're here, after all of this drama and commotion, Nesta is starting to feel homesick, which she's never felt before. I like that she's like, well, no wonder she likes Valaris more after spending all this time in the spring court. I would like Valaris too. (laughs) I would like my old little shitty house in the woods (laughs) better than the spring court. Right. And then so what's really fun is Cassian, we get a little backstory in their next training session that he actually fought alongside the Valkyries multiple times. Which is crazy that he's just now telling her. Why is he just now telling her this information? I know, and Gwen's fangirling. She's so cute. I love her so much. Because he started picking up on their mind-stilling slash meditation techniques that they're utilizing. And he kind of goes into how he was one of the few Illyrians that wanted to fight alongside the Valkyries at their last battle. Of course he was. I know, right? Sweet baby. But of course, he was vetoed out, and they literally knocked him out to shut him up. And that was the battle that the Valkyries got wiped out in. It's so devastating. What a heart-wrenching story. He also had a lover that was a Valkyrie in that battle, yeah. right? Do you guys remember her name? I don't. I didn't write it down. I think it gets mentioned later. I might have written. I don't think I wrote her name down, unfortunately. She gets referenced in a little bit more detail later on. Yeah, it was uh, really sad for him. Like, you just think about everything that he's gone through, all of his battles, mm-hmm. all the loss. Yeah. You forget how old he is, because he just comes across as such a frat boy. So then, you know, Cassian's like, I don't know their techniques, but if you find the research and want to bring something, we can start incorporating them. So Nesta, Gwen, and Nesta and Gwen pretty much spearhead it, but Emery too, by proxy start pulling all of Meryl's training or all of her they turn it into training material all of her research material they start sifting through to make it training material for them and then so we finally hear back on Farah's votes because of course again casting his call to the river river house this wasn't as bad of news though (laughs) it wasn't the worst Worst appointment he's had. But Feyre offered, says that yes, Nessa needs to be informed about her power. And Cassian is the one to offer to be that person to tell her about it. Because he kind of wants to time it out. He knows what she's like, right? It's not that he's trying to keep it from her further, but there's a time and place for everything, right? And spoiler alert, he does not do it right. (laughs) (laughs) Cassian, no, never. Tactless, Bad timing. Well, also, we know how Cassian doesn't have a good... um, experience with timing you know what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> right off the mark <laughs> sometimes he's really quick to jump the gun if you know what i'm saying and then this is when sarah already touched on it a little bit when elaine tells the backstory about seducing a duke just to um stick a middle finger at a girl that was bullying elaine Ugh. 
peak Nesto. She was 14 <laughs> years old. It was so great. I loved it. <laughs> well, we also learned that Nesta is, she loves dancing and she loves music. Because she's and, so artistic. Oh, like, don't even start, Spines. <laughs> You're so She's so deep. She's just like this. Bryce. I knew she had to have some deep okay, quality like, about what, her. What other hobbies <laughs> are these women going to have in, in this sort of like high Fucking running or something. <laughs> Do like something. Be like, I really like going for a jog. <laughs> like, <laughs> who knows? Anything. Anyway. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're just so mean about this. <laughs> I mean, you have a point to a degree, but like... <laughs> It's fine. I'm right. Go on. <laughs> so then Cassian doesn't wait super long to withhold this information from Nesta. And really awkwardly, this is, of course, their first lesson that they're doing Valkyrie training. And Cassian awkwardly is like, Nesta, if you had a sword, what would you name it? Trying to segue the conversation. Oh, by the way, you make magical weapons. <laughs> Congratulations. Such yeah. It's such a bad segue. <laughs> because <laughs> then she's like i don't know he's like but if you could name a sword she, I, I, it's funny because i thought he was gonna like he was trying to get her to name his dick <laughs> when i first read it and i was like what is he doing i thought his segue was gonna be dumber than that like it, it was gonna be she would have picked a name and porpoise or whatever and uh he's like well now that you've named this sword you should know that it's already yours like something dumb like that and yeah so yeah or he should have just flat out told her i think he should just flat out told her it was just bad it was real bad but yeah because of course quick-witted nesta immediately is like why are you asking me this this is weird what's going on so she's poking and prodding at this poor guy and he just Someone else take it away. I cringe thinking about how it all goes down. <laughs> so what Nesta hones in on, which is, I feel like this is so quintessentially Nesta, is she gets him to admit about the new dread trope that she inadvertently created. And he talks about how we made a vote and we chose to tell you. And she's like, um, we? Who is the we that you we speak of? Because we, I is not part because of the we. I don't remembers beings in the we of it all and of course he's like oh shit uh well it was me and asriel and amber and oh she's like oh oh so all of you got together to talk about me to decide if i was well enough mentally stable enough to handle this information you made a decision about me without me present and then she's like well who voted against me and he's like oh crap but he <laughs> instead of instead of just being like no i'm not gonna tell you he's like well i've already dug myself in this hole i'm gonna just start burying myself and he tells her that reese and amron voted against her and that's where she loses it she storms off he tries to talk to her and she just like locks herself in her room and waits till everyone goes away and then she does the 10,000 steps. She is so angry and so much on a mission that she goes all the way down. Because I think the last time she did the steps, she made it to 6,000. She gets all the way to 10 
opens a door, cobblestones the the town of Valaris, and she goes straight to Amran's apartment where she is having a time. Sex with Varian. <laughs> Amran is in the middle of yeah, something. Yeah, in the middle of something, but Nessa mm-hmm. doesn't care. She breaks down the door and she yells at her and she tells Varian to leave and he does reluctantly, but he also runs off to get Feyre. Then, then we see Nesta and Amran, and this is really the first time that we're seeing them really talk about what happened on the barge, which we know that something bad happened, but this is when we discover that Feyre had suggested to Amran that Nesta pick up training again because she's just drinking herself into a stupor all the time and she's just not you know they tried leaving her alone and Amran fought for Nesta but she agreed with Feyre that that's obviously not working and Nesta loses it because she sees Amran as siding with Feyre and choosing Feyre over her and it truly affected her and of course Amran and Amran fashion instead of de-escalating the situation just made it worse and that's why Nesta stormed off the barge but, but then a favor comes in and she tries to break up the fight. This part's hard. This part was tough. This was really tough because Ness is still pretty pissed and she's not getting anywhere with Amarin. She's also in like a level nine. Yeah, but and, and Amarin's not de-escalating. Like Amarin's like, no, we were right. Just be just your shitty behavior right now. Just your horrible behavior right now just proves that you were not good to know enough. You are not ready to know about your dread trope. Like she misses the whole point. Yeah, exactly. No, she did not handle this well. She didn't de-escalate. So she's just poking the fire. Nesta was at an eight and a half by the time she encountered Amran and it got to like 9.8 by the time Feyre came in so we're just past the red line and as Feyre comes in and tries to de-escalate the situation this is where Nesta in a fit of rage discloses that who she thinks are her friends are not really her friends her whole inner circle has been hiding from her that her baby gonna kill her and how do you feel about Nesta saying this you know what swags you go first i think nesta did it with the best intentions executed it poorly yeah i agree because i agree with the conversation that cassie and Farah have later that we'll talk about that she not only was watching Farah be lied to to her face but then it also happened to her and she's like this is just not an okay way that you treat your friends and family it's toxic she called him out yeah it was not the best way to tell her but i think that something that i struggle with in this book is how everyone reacts to nesta telling farah and how they really shit on her when i'm like you guys are the actual problem you guys are the ones who did this in the first place who created this issue and you're mad at nesta for outing it nesta's also Mm -hmm. at the end of the day her sister she's blood family that's something that none of you guys can relate to Mm -hmm. yep i thought that scene was really interesting because i feel like in a way nesta was being the big sister and very much identifying with Feyre in this situation. I agree with Sam. It was not executed well. It was executed in a fit of rage, so it didn't come out correctly, and it obviously really upset Feyre. And that was hard. Like it was hard to watch it. 
I mean, I think it's a, it was a long overdue conversation. I understand to a degree why Reese wanted to wait. He wanted to see what the options were and not put Feyre in a, in paralyzing fear that her pregnancy is going to kill her. So until he could figure out a way, but I mean, I mean, she's so close to being due. He's running out of time to tell her like now she can't even appreciate it. It's like not telling someone that they have cancer. Right. And it's past the point of chemo. I think that's so unfair and it's such bullshit. And I like reading this. I really, really, really struggled with how they all treated Nesta after this outburst, because although it wasn't, it wasn't the prettiest way to tell Feyre. At the end of the day, I respect Nesta because she actually had the balls to tell her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas like all of these other people were cowering in fear and like, they're the fucking problem. Nesta is not the problem for outing it. How she did it wasn't pretty, but she's not the problem in this instance. It's everybody else who has refused to tell Pharaoh what's going on with her body and her baby and her life. Well, just because we forgot to cover it a couple sections ago, that we know that we're at a final point because even the Seraphim research that Resan did with Miriam and Dracon also came up fruitless. So they're like quite literally scraping the barrel at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but also the time to tell Pharaoh is when they found out. Right. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, do you guys think... I, I never asked this. It occurred to me now. Do you guys think that in some way, shape, or form that Rhysand is keeping this from Feyre for his own, like, hero complex. Because he knows that he's gonna die, because he knows that Feyre's gonna die if she delivers this baby, and they have this pact. So he's like, oh, well, if I keep this, you know, if I keep this from Feyre, then I'll also die and my sins will go with her, and blah 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 blah. Like, but also, they're even more toxic because Farah and Rhysand haven't even told their whole fucking friend group that they're both going to die when one of them well, dies. Like, like, they're all just so full of themselves. I can't take it. Well, and Farah lets it slip in this conversation, but Ness and Amor don't know anything about it, so they don't question her about it. Yeah. She does let it slip that the baby was going to kill them. She says that in this conversation. But they didn't question her about because obviously she's very distraught. So I think they're just assuming she's not like she's processing everything. Them could also mean her and the baby too. Right. Like right. We as the reader, if we remember that, them is can also be interpreted as the three of them. Right. Correct. Um, what I really love about the execution of this part is that when we see it from Cassian's perspective, he is watching Resand find out. On the opposite side, through Feyre, through their Daimati ability, and it just, like, just adds to the tension and the frustration and just, like, how pissed off you are at Resand. at least. Well, and pretty much, Resand tells Cassian that he needs to get Nesta the fuck away from there because he's gonna kill her. Well, he said out of the city. Like, she needs to clear the area some hundred thousand miles. <laughs> little traumatic you also maybe shouldn't kill your pregnant wife's sister out of like rage because she outed your lie mm-hmm. i'm just saying i'm in trouble i'm gonna i'm mad at you for getting me in trouble <laughs> yeah um, essentially and cassian literally like swoops nesta out of the street i love it how she runs out of amarin's place she runs out of amarin's place to go get a drink and i mean honestly i would have t- <laughs> she realized she fucked up 
and then Azrael uh, was kind of on standby and he had a pack for them and they just bust out of there. Can I ask you guys this? So like to the comment that she fucked up badly, like did she really actually fuck up that bad? I guess for her, she thinks she fucked up badly yeah. is the way I should have said it. Because yeah, we agree for the yeah. most part. She didn't fuck up, but she, her devastation in seeing Feyre's reaction to that made her just crumble. This part was so hard for me to read. I think it dug up. So like carbs, I told you that there was one time that I cried in this book. It wasn't this section, but it's something that's coming up. And this was like the start of it. Mm -hmm. But I think I related so much to it in my personal life, just with like, I feel like I, I see Nesta a lot and like my younger self and growing up and just like some of the ways that I would lash out, but also never being in tune with like other people and other people thinking that you should just operate a certain way but then me getting angry about the hypocrisy of a lot of the shit that was going on I think that was just such a hard section to read and then to see like how everyone treated her and then the self-deprecation of it I mean it was just it was rough for my own personal I mean and Sam knows about this I had a similar situation that Nesta had where information was kept from me because my family felt that I couldn't handle the truth. I did cry when I read the section. It was extremely difficult. It was... I hate how they make her out to be the bad guy. Yeah, and and I naturally, when I found out this stuff, I reacted. It pissed me off because their whole thing was, we knew you wouldn't handle it well. So when I finally found out what my family was keeping from me... And I reacted really upset. Like, see, we knew you would act this way. But I'm not mad about that. Right. I'm mad about I'm mad, you guys. I'm mad about yeah. your decision to not keep me in the loop with all of the, like, your your deliberate decision to cut me out of this conversation that pertains to me to and me. my life and how I made choices. Like, I had a really difficult... No, I completely agree. Yeah. It was hard reading this. I really struggled reading this section. It broke my heart. It really, really did. And yeah. I I think it's a gray area because I don't like how Nesta handled this. I think it could have been handled differently. But I also don't mind how she did it either. I think it had to happen. It was a long overdue conversation, which just adds to the tension and the feelings of distraught when it comes to this conversation like it, it just adds the intensity of it but I, I don't think it was the wrong thing to do as a whole I think how it was handled was poorly executed when she finally outed it I felt like it was interesting because my first perception of it was like oh finally someone had the balls to say it and I right. was like really rooting for Nesta for saying it and then watching everyone just lose their whole shit over it was a moment where I had viewed it a different way where I was like, I wasn't viewing it that way until everyone else's reaction. And then that inner shame comes in and you're like, oh, I did a bad thing or whatever. But it's like, had they not reacted the way they did, I would have not felt any type of sadness or like Nesta had handled it poorly. For Resan to be like, get her out of the city because I'm going to kill her. I thought like it instantly validated her for me. Because he has no mm -hmm. right, like he has no right to be upset with Nesta. Yes, she didn't handle it well, and and it was it was harsh, and how it came, the delivery of it was not great. But this is his fault. 
for him to be like, you got me in trouble, I'm mad at you, is so immature. And it, yeah, it pissed me off. It pissed me off to no end. And it's kind of frustrating to have to use Cassian as the buffer. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Cassian and Rhysand have a 500-year history. And clearly, Cassian and Nesta have formed their own relationship. And it's not fair for him. He's having to mediate. And that's not his job anymore. Like, he happily took on the training, helping Nesta get out of her head. But this is, like, way above his pay grade, in my opinion, too. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's not his place. But also, like, in the situation, you think that everyone would just, like literally fuck off and let Nesta and Feyre talk by themselves together yeah. as sisters. Like, Reese threatening her to kill her and stuff and being like, she needs to get far the fuck away from this place and da 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 That should have been a moment where Feyre's like, Nesta, let's go for a walk or whatever. And like, she processes it on her own time. But that how is that supposed to make Feyre feel any better about the situation with everyone throwing gasoline on the fire and being like, I'm going to kill your sister. She needs to get away. Yeah. And now I have to go do this, this, and this. I think that they handled that situation so much more poorly than anything Nesta did in that room. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then poor Feyre having to also kind of mediate too on the opposite end so Cassian's kind of like Nesta's mediator and Farah's being Resands. Mm-hmm. she's to communicating with Cassian like hey where did you guys go Reese completely overreacted that he had no right to say what he said about Nesta and that even though he told them to leave that they should come back and this you is know, where I get pissed off at Cassian why for not bringing Nesta back well, because he made the choice and was like, no, I'm going to let her tough it out for a few days. Oh, I actually thought that was a good thing. I did too. But I think that that also, it's again, another situation where Nesta's not in the say or in control. It's forcing her to do something that she's not aware of. And in this moment, she's so self-loathing. And for him to push her, I understand what they're doing. But also the lack of communication is such trash. That's fair. That's fair. Actually, no, that's a really good point. I get Like, she's at one of her lowest points ever after this has happened. And she probably feels like the worst person alive. You thought her self-loathing was bad before. In this moment, with everyone attacking her and, like, threatening to kill her, and she's just upset someone who's the closest to her, her sister. And then Cassian being, like... No, I'm going to make her tough it out or whatever, and I'm going to push her to do this and not tell her. Watching how fucking broken she is is such an asshole move. My thought on this wasn't necessarily that. It was, I certainly felt Nesta was at rock bottom mentally. I don't really think she was in a place to make decisions. I just got this sense that Cassian was like, I don't think Nesta can really process what she did so i'm just gonna take her out of that environment and just but he's so cold to her like everything about this whole situation breaks my heart he's cold he's forcing her to do something and like there's no breathing room he makes her carry gear she's walking for days on end not talking I didn't see it as being cold towards her. I saw it as being, I think, even keel. I I just, 
It's hard because I feel like Nesta is so... She feeds off of such bad energy and and he's not helping but he's also not adding gas to the fire i was under the impression that he was staying very like monotone and like i'm not like like just consistent with his emotion like that was my sense of how he was handling it like i'm not going to give you anything i'm not going to give you any ammo or anything to like take and twist or or misinterpret i'm just going to stay as like say what absolutely needs to be said i mean and technically like he gave her like i mean she had the canteen she just wasn't drinking she was in such a state of shock and trying to process everything emotionally that she just wasn't taking care of herself i mean there's other elements to it be like staying away from the fire that he didn't understand but i thought this was a way for her to kind of have a blank slate and I don't really know if I'm articulating this very well well so I'll go ahead and say it this is the um chapter that I cried like a baby reading and it's because of just like the combination of everything but I think something that I really struggled with reading this is just coming from someone who had my lowest point and ended up having to go to rehab and stuff like there were so many people in my life who, when I was at my lowest point, were pushing me in certain directions. And I think that those are some of the worst points in my life because it was like stuff that I wasn't ready for. I think that in order to heal, people have to come to the decision on their own terms. So what if she was like numb for a few days or whatever? The fact that you're pushing her to do something and she's like a walking skeleton, she's not drinking water, she's not functioning. I don't think that was the right way to heal her. And I understand that, oh, she overcomes this mountain and this physical turmoil and stuff. But in reality, life really doesn't work that way. And so I guess it was just heartbreaking because like I felt that low before of just like complete... I don't even know what you would call it, like suicidal, numb, empty feelings and feeling like this ultimate self-loathing. And then to see someone who she's built a relationship with that she, as much as they like do their joking, bickering back and forth, she feels safe with that person to see him so monotone, like it came across as cold and it was heartbreaking because that would be like in the situation where when I finally came to you and Sam and was like, I do you guys think I need to do this? I was ready to hear what I needed to hear. But like, had you guys gone into that situation, treating me the way that Cassian did, I probably would have just died. But like, it just makes me think of like, how cold that was to do to her. Like, it's so easy for people to kick others when they're down and to, like, not understand what they're going through. But it's, like, the lack of sympathy for anything. Yeah. I think this is the flip side to what Nesta did to Feyre is that the intention behind it is, I think, there. That Cassian wasn't in- – I don't think – you know, because I wrote it in the notes that Cassian went full general mode. Like, he – knew that Nesta was going to have her breakdown. He knew, but I just don't think he read the situation correctly. I think he did what he thought would be best for her in that moment and realized when she passed out that he, he made the wrong choice. Because I, I think, while I agree with you not to force anybody into a situation they shouldn't be in, I think taking Nesta out of Valaris was the right move. But, oh, yeah. She didn't uh, need to be around those people. No. So I'm like kind of torn there. 
when it comes to that just because you know on the flip side cassie was also seeing nesta using exercise as a way to clear her mind she was doing the stairs every time she was having a moment right so mm-hmm. i wonder if he it was almost slightly meant as a punishment but also knowing that it would be a good idea to clear her head to be out there and also the the scope of mountains that they went on in ancient times was rumored to be a source of healing so mm-hmm. i think he really kind of took it and just kind of said like fuck it let's see what happens but yeah i don't think they needed to walk 12 hours every day he could have maybe said what they were doing at the beginning yeah just like the informed knowledge of it would yeah. have been really nice yeah because like here she is she is feeling numb she thinks that she's out of the city because Reese is going to kill her. She thinks that her sister fucking hates her because Cassian hasn't shared that Feyre forgives her. So, like, there's that missing piece of information. Yeah, and it's, like, grateful. So, like, she has this burden of thinking that her sister, like, hates her. Her brother-in-law wants to kill her. Like, there are so many pieces of this that are, like, adding into the self-loathing that weren't necessary in this healing process. Mm-hmm. He could have been like, hey, Feyre forgives you, but, like, let's take some time. And, like, we're going to go on this walk. Yeah, that's fair. It was just so fucked up. And, like, I I think it was good for her. But also, at the same time, like, just being in that position before, I think I would have broken just as hard as she had. Yeah. And I just, like, remember feeling that feeling was really difficult when reading it. Oh, I'm sure. It's a a devastating section. And to feel a personal connection to it, I couldn't imagine. But after, you know, days of them hiking <laughs> without Nessa knowing what was happening, <laughs> only yeah. half being half present, she, her body, she just is exhausted. She's not drinking enough water. She faints. And then her and Cassian have a moment where she finally kind of breaks down this emotional dam that she's been building up since her father died. When he finally figures out about the fire and why she can't go anywhere near it. Right, confirming what he has already been noticing. And then, yeah, that, you know, she, you know, I think Tamlin kind of stirred up, meeting Tamlin for the first time, or I guess, again, more recently, kind of stirred up her sisterly guilt about letting Feyre run off like that, that she was the breadwinner of the sisters, and how she wasn't doing it to screw Pharaoh over. She was just like, dad, do something. Like, why can't you just like get off your ass and do what you need to do for your three starving daughters? And, and she also blames him for the mother's death too. Yep. It's a lot. So she's got the guilt of letting her father die, thinking that she should have saved him. The guilt of letting her sister take care of them for so long and then having then disappearing because of that watching Elaine go in the cauldron and disappear like it is just guilt upon guilt upon guilt for well now she thinks Sarah hates her right (laughs) so like add the icing on the cake and you know Cassian's like you're gonna take as long as you need you just can't sit in those feelings like because he was talking about how long he referenced that it took him a long time to get over his mother's death and all the traumas that he has personally dealt with and i mean he's 500 years in he's still here so i think that Mm -hmm. was kind of the reminder and inspiration that nesta needed the first person to finally tell her that she's allowed to do something at her own pace yes 
I just wish that that conversation would have happened at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that was also my favorite part about this section because I cried like a baby as well. Because we talked about this when Nessa was first sent to the House of Wind, um, how this decision was made without her and she really didn't have, she wasn't given the grace to do things on her own time. And um, and I agree, like, I don't, I don't like throughout how throughout this journey Nesta was forced into her own self-care and it and that she wasn't given this time to sort it out on her own and for Cassian to say like not only did he say she can do it in her own time but she can also do it her own way like she doesn't have to be sweet Feyre or, or Elaine and be nice to the inner circle she could still be her spicy get shit done herself in person like she doesn't have to change her personality to match this idea of what getting better looks like she doesn't have to change herself but she doesn't have to sit in these negative feelings like you said sam she can stay who she is at her very core and she can take as long as she wants mm-hmm. and i thought like i i was really I found that whole message very, very meaningful and really, really important. And I, I, I was very touched by that conversation. Yeah, it definitely came around. And then they have sex. They do? <laughs> Once they uh, finally get to the summit. I don't think we're there yet, though. No, no. No. It's such a funny descriptor of how they spend their days on the hike. <laughs> it's in the yeah, next chapter. For real. You'll love it, Sarah. I'm excited. Um, So our next section, we are going to read all of part three, which is Valkyrie. And that is going to be chapters 51 to 63. Oh, I'm so excited. This book just keeps getting better and better. It it really does. It's really, really good. I'm I'm curious to see, you know, obviously them summit this mountain now. um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. um, Spoiler alert. um, but also, like, how Nesta and Resan sort of work things out when she returns to Polaris. We still don't, if uh, Brianne has the crown, we don't know where the harp is, uh, what they're going to do with the new Dread Trove. Am I missing any other, like, big uh, loose ends? No. Nah, let's go ahead and end These it. These are the big ones. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, well, we know what we're doing. We know where we are. We know where we're going. Let's send us off. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at confessionstand underscore podcast for any show updates. Feel free to give us a follow on our Goodreads too to see what we're currently up to. That link is in our bio. Bye. 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 Bye.